This is On Location. I'm Joe Mamlin. This is the first of our two-part series on engaging fathers in the child support program. The first, On Location is produced by the NCA Communications Committee with special production assistance from Tim Leitner and me. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Radio Public, among others. So subscribe today on your favorite podcast service and tell all your friends. On this series, Tim Leitner has a conversation with Brandon Gutierrez. Brandon is a child support specialist in a California county office. You may recall hearing Brandon speak at the Policy Forum recently on the essential role of fathers. Over these next two episodes, we'll get Brandon's perspective on how the program works with fathers and how we may better engage them going forward. It's going to be a great show, so stick around, and we'll be right back. another episode of NCIA On Location. Today, we are coming to you from California and Alaska. My name is Tim Leitner, and I'm from the Alaska Child Support Services Division up at Anchorage, Alaska. And we have a special guest joining us today, Brandon Gutierrez. Brandon is with us today to share some of his perspectives and takes on the child support program. Let me first turn this over to Brandon and have him introduce himself. Hello, everybody. I'm Brandon Gutierrez. I'm a uh, child support specialist in a small county in Northern California, and I am also a a non-custodial parent or a paying party on a child support case. Great, Brandon. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. You might uh, recall Brandon moderating a session at the 2021 NCA Policy Forum on the essential role of fathers and at the recent Fathers and Families Coalition of America's New Beginnings Conference. It was at the Fathers and Families Conference that Brandon and I were preparing for and got to start to um, talk and know each other. And and I just wanted to kind of uh, ask a couple of questions here for Brandon. How did you get involved with both of these conferences? How did you get connected or or invited in to to speak at these? Yeah, uh, it started, I think, we're going on two years now. My local office, uh, Kelly Cody, she's our director. She she came to me and, and, and asked about doing a, a short video detailing, you know, my story, why I came to child support and how I look at just, just the whole thing and in terms of marketing to dads, because uh, it, it, it seems like child support has done a really good job in uh, marketing or I guess being a little more open to the people who receive money who tend to be the moms and not as much towards the people who pay money. And obviously, you know, the lion's share, at least in California, is about 85% of our cases are 
our uh, males as the payor. So we were trying to uh, kind of switch that around and, and be a little more, I, I guess, obligor friendly, if you will. So I, I agreed to record this, this video and, you know, it, it really wasn't that big of a deal to me. I don't, I guess I don't have a problem, you know, talking. So <laughs> I, I did the video and it, I guess it took off. I mean, uh, we were getting contacted from the Fathers and Family Coalition and, and things of that nature. And because of that video, uh, California's uh, public affairs director, she actually drove up here from Sacramento to, to meet me and sit down with me. And uh, she actually put the offer out there and said, hey, you know, the, uh, the state agency would like to see if you'd be willing to to do these events coming up. And one was the Arixa and then the other one was the NCA events. And uh, it, it's just kind of taken off. I mean, I've, I've really been surprised pleasantly because, uh, you know, my first experiences in child support as an obligor were not good. I mean, I think they were probably typical for what a lot of men experience. So to see child support, not just at the local level and then at the state level, but even at a national level, start to look at uh, case management or look at, um, you know, flexible enforcement, things of that nature to try to try to be a little more reasonable to the obligors, again, who tend to be mostly dads, uh, you know, that that really does warm my heart. And it really does uh, make me want to, you know, do anything that I can to contribute to the conversation. So, Brandon, I've got to ask here, what are some of the ideas that you wanted to share or stress um, when you're engaging with these participants or these these um, people that were attending these conferences? What ideas kind of stuck in your mind as being important to really get across? To dads? Yeah. Or just to child support people? I, I think to both. Um, child support people, certainly mm -hmm. for the policy forum and, and to dads, especially when we're looking at the um, uh, the Fathers and Families Coalition. Mm -hmm. I think a common theme at, at almost all the conversations or the, the forums that I've, I've taken part in, the common theme seems to me at least to be uh, there's a big need for a culture change, right? And, and what I mean by that is in, in how we are, uh, you know, treating one another and how we are, uh, you know, managing our cases, you know, it, to me, it's, it, it really boils down to you know, dads really aren't asking for much. They want treatment to be fair. They don't want to feel like things are one-sided. They don't want to be railroaded. They don't want to be talked at. You know, they want to be listened to. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't seem like there are a lot of people who are employed in child support, at least from my experience, uh, that, you know, are also obligors, right? So I think some of the stresses and some of the fears, some of the uh, concerns that a lot of payers have, you know, case managers and child support people don't, I don't think they inherently know those things because they're not dealing with them. So I think that if child support, no matter what state you're in, uh, if child support really started to, you know, make a real honest effort in just in, in meeting dads halfway, you know, in I remember whenever I walked into the uh, child support office in Norfolk, Virginia, uh, the first time that I was looking at paying on a child support case. And keep in mind, I was paying my ex freely my own child support amount without even having a child support order. So I figured when I walked into that office, you know, I, I would be, you know, one of the rare ones, I guess you could say, right? Uh, 
it was the opposite. You know, I walked into that office and, and it felt, I, I felt like I was a, a suspect. I felt like um, as soon as I walked in the office, you know, I was like the, the looks I was getting from receptionists, the treatment I was getting from the intake person. It was just like, whoa, okay, this is different. Like these guys just are assuming that I'm trying to get out of my responsibility. And, you know, that, that left an impression on me. It really did. I mean, I, once I learned that I wouldn't have to talk to these guys after court because they could just take the money out of my, my, my check through income withholding, you know, that, that was preferred to me because that wasn't a place I wanted to go back to. And I, I, I hate to, you know, call any office or state out, but it's not like that's, uh, that's unique. Right. I mean, I, I believe in, in, you know, speaking, speaking truth and, 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 and saying it how it is. And I'm willing to bet that, that, that kind of treatment, uh, there, there are plenty of dads who've experienced that. So if child support really wants to do something about its, uh, its reputation, or if it really wants to do something about how the public perceives it, uh, I really do think that, you know, just, just a treatment that it, that it extends to people should, should, should reflect that, you know, it should be fair. It should, it should be polite. You know, these aren't, these aren't like groundbreaking ideas, right? I mean, all we're talking about is, you know, giving people a fair shake. That's all. That's all it really is. Yeah. And and I think that fair shake is, is remembering that um, the child support office, the child support representatives, the child support specialist, we, we don't typically represent either party. And that sometimes I think we're focused on the person receiving support and, we probably need to take a better um, a better approach to dealing with both parties in a, in a holistic framework of meeting both halfway and not leaving one party out over the other. So I I, I think um, I think what you're saying is a lot of truth in that. You, you talked a little bit about um, your um, your treatment or um, your observations when you um, first walked into the child support office, and I, I just want to ask this question. So when you very first ever walked into um, the child support office as a paying parent. Um, what were some of your first impressions or observations when you walked into that office? I thought I was in trouble. I mean, honestly, I was just like, "Whoa, um, this this is not an inviting place." Uh, it's like, man, I feel like if I give the wrong answer, these guys are gonna is there like an officer waiting by in the door or something? I mean, it. I mean, it, that's that's not hyperbole. I mean, I really did feel that way, and. Uh, I, I think that I've I've actually heard similar accounts from other dads. I mean, they our office is a little bit different. We got a bunch of dinosaurs painted on the walls and stuff. So, I mean, I think it's more for the kids. The guys don't generally have right, that right. attitude when they walk into our local office. We don't have the bulletproof glass or any of that kind of stuff. So, um, it is it is a lot different. But yeah, that was my first impression. I thought I was in trouble. I really did. Yeah, it sounds sounds more like a um, a punitive feeling environment, whether it was intended to or not. But you you hit on something that that I I, I really wish more people would uh, stop and think about, right? When you said punitive, so let's look at let's look at child support and just the enforcement side of things, right? We have all of these rules, and and every state does have different rules and laws, but. I think a lot of states do have something similar whenever we look at like presumed income or something like that, whenever we're first getting an amount on a, on an obligor. And, you know, whenever we're talking about people who are like on the lower end of the socioeconomic ladder, these are generally people, cause I was one of them, 
you know, these are generally people who've had, you know, uh, stressful, stressful upbringings, you know, run-ins with the law, you know, uh, they've struggled financially. And, and then here comes child support with a, with a presumed amount saying, this is what you're going to have to pay if you don't, you know, if you don't have any income. And then those guys, they can't pay it. They can't afford it. So then they go into arrears. And then if they go into arrears long enough, then we're filing for contempt and then we're seeking probation or jail sentences and stuff like that. And it's like, whoa, when you said punitive, I've, I've made that point before too, because it, it, to me, it seems like in certain senses or certain instances, child support can be like an extension of the criminal justice system. And, and, oh man, that's a, uh, you know, it's a tough pill to swallow if, if, if you're a professional person, it's like, we didn't get in, we didn't get into this line of work to put people in jail. I don't think any of us did. I don't think there's one person in child support that they get up every day and they're like, yeah, I can't wait to, uh, you know, file a, uh, an order to show cause so I can try to get somebody locked up. That's, that's not why we do this work. So perception versus reality is a big thing. It, it's huge. It's huge. And, and sometimes the perception that we leave folks with, whether it's intended or not, can be somewhat damaging or at least uh, very discouraging. You know, I, I was mm-hmm. thinking as you were talking back back in the day when I first started in child support, you know, several, several years ago, the, the position of the caseworker was titled child support enforcement officer. And so right. I definitely had right. a different feel to it. <laughs> You know, you know, now yeah. I think just like in Lassen County, they're called um, child support specialist. I think that's a little bit right. more welcoming than, you know, officer and, you know, what am I in trouble for now? And what's going to happen if I'm not paying my support and, you know, all that, all that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah but I, I do got, I do got to keep it real, man. Cause even though we are called child support specialists, I, I distinctly remember whenever I was first hired uh, along, there's me and two other people. Uh, we were sworn in and, and I don't know how official it was, but we were deputized. <laughs> and so I was like, what? Okay. This is different. So right. maybe we're still our child support officers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, deep, deep down. And I think some people, some people start at that point um, mm-hmm. being, being very much in the um, enforcement, you know, heavy handed um, at least position. Well, hey, I want to yeah. ask you a little bit about, uh, about Lassen County and what you do there and you know, this is kind of your, your Monday through Friday gig or, or day job. Um, and I'm going to get sure. to some other stuff here in a little bit. But how long have you been with Lassen County? Well, I, uh, I resigned my chairmanship for uh, uh, the tribal council at the Susanville Indian Rancheria in 2017. Uh, Indian politics just was not something that, um, that I was particularly good at. I was ready to go. So I didn't even finish my term. Got out and was like, let me just go find a, a normal job. And then there was an announcement uh, in the lo- in the local newspaper for uh, several county jobs, and I had worked for the county previously um, in the district attorney's office. So I was really interested in going back to a place that uh, one had unions and two, you know, operated by uh, good ethics and 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 moral standards. So uh, it really jumped out to me when I saw child support. Now child support has not been an easy thing for me to deal with in my personal life. And I figured, well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good with, with law and stuff like that. I mean, I'm not an attorney or anything, but I'm I'm pretty good with that. I I had good experience with the DA's office and I'm in, I'm interested in child support and, you know, it, it might be good to get in there and, and actually learn how this, how these things go. And, you know, maybe I can help, you know, I've, I served in the Marine Corps. I've served in tribal politics. I've served in tribal government. I've served, 
uh, as a public servant now and previously with other um, tribes and uh, county offices. And so, I mean, I've always believed in public service. So, you know, it, it just, I don't know, it, it seemed like a good fit. I, I went down, I took the test, uh, I passed, it's like an aptitude test. I passed the aptitude test and then I got the interview and lo and behold, you know, I sit down for the job interview and my case manager, uh, Kelly Cody, she was actually the director. Uh, she'd obviously been promoted, right? So it's like, whoa, this is kind of a weird, you know, turn of fate uh, because she was actually the only person I ever really had a positive experience with anyway. So I, it, it just felt great. You know, that, that's how I got there. Um, and what I do uh, Monday through Friday, uh, you know, we, we've had a pretty intense training regimen for, oh man, I don't know, maybe the last two years. You know, I mean, I think if you really want to get a good grasp on things, uh, just as an entry level type person, you, it, you're going to need a few years really uh, to, to, to get a good grasp. So our first six months, I don't think it's three or six, I don't remember, but our first several months, we weren't really even allowed to do any casework. We sat in class and, and we learned about all of the different case functions and we learned about all the different, um, you know, the different things that happen in child support and stuff like that. And then we took, uh, took over case management. And since then uh, we've just, continued the learning process. And right now I do, uh, it's called cradle to grave. I don't know if you're familiar with the term, but you know, anything that happens in a child support case, uh, in my caseload, I'm going to be the one handling it. So I'm going to handle the intake. I'm going to handle the establishment. I'm going to, you know, handle any, I'm going to write note. I'm going to write the motions. I'm going to write declarations. I'm going to do the guideline calculations. I'm going to go to court and sit next to the attorney and, and, and help her if she needs anything during the hearings, you know, and then after everything's established then I'm going to, going to go through the enforcement side and, and try to work with dads. That's kind of where I take a little bit of a different approach, I think, than what is conventional, but I handle the enforcement stuff and then uh, the financial management and, uh, as far as at least, you know, charging instructions and stuff like that. And then um, uh, obviously when the cases are finally done, we're able to close them, you know, handle the case closures. So uh, I do all of that on top of whoever's coming in the office. I handle all the all the um, interviews whenever they're in my caseload. Uh, I handle all the phone calls, the emails. We use text message software. So uh, there, it's never a dull moment in our office. Even though we're in a small county, we are extremely busy. Uh, there's yeah, you're, if, if you're sitting around, you know, looking at Facebook, you're probably not doing your job right because there's no free time. Right, right, and you know, from what you're describing too. I mean, you've been, I think you said, uh, with the um, with the division there since 2017. So you've had plenty right. of opportunity now to kind of get your feet wet, kind of get grounded, um, and and really what you're describing is kind of that old proverbial phrase about being, you know, the jack of all trades. Um, yeah. Starting a case up with intake, you know, getting orders established, um, moving those declarations, and, and all that. Uh, it's not just paperwork, but all those formal documents forward, mm-hmm. and then enforcing that order. And so you've, you've kind of got a different perspective, if you will, or a unique perspective, I think is a better way to put it, uh, not just as the, the child support specialist in Lassen County, you're also a, uh, a father who is a paying parent with a child support case. So you've kind of got a dual role in a way. You're, you're uh, in, in, my, in my mind, anyhow, oh, yeah. kind of multi, multifaceted, multi, multi-layered at least. Um, yeah. So I, it's I just a polite ask, way of saying that. <laughs> it, yeah, um, I mean it's it's much more deep, I think, than that. Um, so for for Brandon, when you come to work, what is that like for you when you're when you're interacting, especially with fathers, but not just, uh, but interacting with clients when 
you're a paying parent going through some of the same, uh, I'll just say struggles or challenges Mm -hmm. um, that the people you're talking with also are facing. Um, What is that kind of like for you? Well, it's completely different, right? I mean, just let's just look at uh, let's let's look at the enforcement side of things. Okay, so if a dad comes into my office and and he's he's struggling with he just lost his job. Okay, we'll just game a scenario out. He just lost his job. You know, he's ordered to pay however many hundreds of dollars every single month. But um, you know, it wasn't a high paying job in the first place, so he doesn't have any savings. He does have the order. We have to keep charging that amount regardless of what his situation is until the order is modified, right? He's sweating bullets because he doesn't want his bank accounts levied and he doesn't want his license suspended and stuff like that. You know, uh, my perspective is where the where it makes those kinds of things different. I look at things like flexible enforcement. Uh, it's, it's, it's something, I think it's a phrase that people are, are using. But uh, simply put, what it is, is, in that scenario, that guy comes in. I'm telling him, just period, point blank, stay in touch with me. Let me know what's going on. Communicate with me at all times. All right. I'm going to do what I can to try to try to keep us off your back for, you know, this transition period you're going through. You know, there's ways for me to suppress license suspensions. There's ways for me to make other suppressions so that bad things don't happen that are automated, you know, and, and, and help him be able to bridge that gap from unemployment to newly employed again. You know, and it, it really is because I truly understand the the fear and the stress that these guys are going through because I've gone through it myself. You know that that just I I can do that very freely because it's it's almost like a knee jerk reaction. That and you know we have a we have a pretty awesome director who uh, gives us that autonomy as case managers to make make the decisions on our cases. You know, her her big thing is. You know, don't do any harm to any families, right? That's her biggest thing. And the other thing is, is, you know, if you make a decision on enforcement or on a modification or anything like that, you know, and it maybe it's not conventional, well, you better be able to explain it, all right? And if you can explain it and you can face up to whatever the consequences would be, if it was the wrong decision, then I'll support you. You know, so I've, I've been given the, the leeway in this local office to be able to, um, act in that capacity, which is what I would prefer anyways. If I were to work in an agency where, you know, you, you have a very strict set of parameters, you know, one of the, the overly bureaucratic agencies, like if, if box 14 AB isn't checked and you can't do this and it's like, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to exist there. I absolutely wouldn't, you know, because yeah. it, it's my perception that allows me to approach these guys a, a little bit differently. And, you know, it, it's, I, I gotta say it's working. You know, I, I, I can't imagine there's a ton of child support people who are just just in the trenches, right? Just the line workers, you know, who who could probably line up dozens of dads who would say, you know, this guy, you know, this guy, he, this guy helped me, you know, because I mean, I've I've heard countless times, you know, from from other from other guys who either have a current order or they're paying on a case from 20 years ago still, you know, and and. I'm listening to them and I'm hearing what they're doing and I'm trying to problem solve with them to try to help them get out of this dang hole. Cause I don't want to, I, I know I'm in a hole too. I don't I hate being in it, you know? And, and something that I hear all the time is, man, you're the, you're the first one that just took the time to even just listen to me, you know, let alone even try to give me options, but just listen to me. You know, it's like, well, that tells me a lot about what we're doing. Uh, just, just as a, 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 you know, as a larger animal, if you will. 
Right, right. I, I think what you're talking about, too, is establishing those relationships with that Absolutely. parent, with Absolutely. that father for the most part. And, and it's, you know, it's really for the common goal. The goal is to, to have money come in, support come in, financial support to begin with for that child. And, you know, if, if we're thinking about uh, things punitively or um, really heavy handedly trying to get that money, is that going to sustain in the long term or the long run heck no. to have that oh, last? Heck no. no, it right. doesn't. I mean, it doesn't. We there's there's so much data out there. I mean, I, I, the the statewide director at the Fathers and Family Coalition thing that you and I attended. I mean, what did he say for California's arrears? The 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 assigned arrears was like eighteen billion dollars. It's like hey, it, everybody, you know, uh, motivation through fear of enforcement obviously has failed miserably, right? Uh, it, the establishing good relationships, building trust, because let's face it, the public doesn't trust us very much, you know, building trust, being flexible, you know, being user friendly, not being so heavy handed, you know, those are, those are approaches I think that, that go in line with, with what the, with what our state director and even what our local director really wants to have happen. And that's don't do any harm to the families, because if we are, just nailing dad every chance we get, well, we're making it harder for him to pay child support. So in the end, who are we harming? Yeah, we're harming him in the short term, but in the long term, we're harming the kids, you know? So if we're a little bit more open, you know, it's kind of like what I'm doing with these guys in that scenario that we just talked about. I'm making it a little bit easier through that transition phase to make it as, as you know, to, just to reduce the stress as much as possible, at least on our end, so he can bridge the gap and get back on track. Because things happen in people's lives, you know. Just because a court order says that you have to pay this every single month, you know, that doesn't mean things aren't going to happen in people's lives, you know. And, pe- and I think child support people need to be open to that. Yeah. You know, when, when you talk about things happening in people's lives, you know, for the for the for the life of a case, that's much more than just, you know, six months or a year or some small defined um, time period. We're looking at mm-hmm. the, as a child grows up and wherever uh, that family comes into the child support system, if you will, and asks for our help from that point forward, it's for many, many years. And so how are we right. starting to build that relationship and, and lay the groundwork and, and, and do all that stuff? Um, you you said at a, a roundtable at the Fathers and Families Coalition of America conference, and I think the roundtable was called um, something about um, do we, meaning does the child support program have street credibility? And that fits right into what you were saying. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that, um, yeah, that, that was, that was tongue in cheek for sure. <laughs> do we have street credibility? Well, maybe the wrong kind, you know. So I want to get into that kind of in just a minute here, but let me let me ask a couple just follow-up questions here. So when you have fathers that come into the child support office, whether it's I'll say virtually, but you know whether they come in and, and uh, talk on the phone or meet you in person or contact you, what what are some of the encouragements that you routinely give to fathers when they start um, connecting with the child support program, especially for the first time? Well, I, th- I think the biggest encouragement that um at least seems to resonate with, with, with the lion's share of the dads that I deal with whenever they're, whether it's either, whether it's a new case or it's a rough transition period or even a modification. Uh, it, it, I don't even know if it's so much as an encouragement as it is. I'm shooting them straight. I'm laying out the process. I'm, 
I'm, I'm bringing up the contingencies that I see that could or could not happen. I'm showing him what his options are if one of those contingencies happen, you know, because what I want to do is I want to show him one, I'm not trying to pull one over on you. Two, this is the process and these are the things that could come up. And then three, here are your options, right? It, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I served in the infantry in the Marine Corps. I'm, I, I know that I'm an alpha type male, right? I, I, I know that I don't respond that much to, um, you know, hey, you can do it and this, all that kind of stuff. No, that doesn't, I don't want to hear that. You know, what I want to hear is, okay, what am I facing? What are my options? What can happen, right? And, and if I know those things, then I can formulate my own game plan and, 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 and deal with things as a man, right? Uh, I, I think sometimes, not even sometimes, just society lately, it seems like we're uh, we're kind of going away from that where we don't want, you know, we don't want dads to, you know, we, we tell them we want you to step up the plate and, you know, and, and be a dad, which be a man. Right. But then we don't we don't give them the, the options and the tools that they need to actually act in that capacity. We 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 treat them with suspicion. We. We, we treat them with uh, real hard enforcement, you know, remedies that we call it's, it, it's counterproductive. Yeah, it sure can be. I, you know, I, I pick it up on two things here. And one thing you, you talked about is, is really shooting straight with the fathers you talk to, like you said, laying right. out the groundwork, letting them know if they do this, this will happen. Whether well, it's a positive thing. If you pay your support, you know, basically, the child support office will keep off your back. We'll, st- we'll stop the heavy-handed enforcement. There won't be mm-hmm. contempt. We won't right. take and yank your license. Um, right. But if but if you don't, these are the things that could happen. And mm-hmm. you you know I, uh, you and I have talked about this a little bit, but that's that's almost like explaining the rules of a game that has multiple um, multiple facets to it. It's complicated, you know. Um, and you're playing this game for the first time, and you don't know how the you know you don't know how it goes. You roll the dice, right. and you don't you don't know what the first step is. So well, really, I think yeah, yeah. I think you're talking that's about a empower- perfect analogy. Yeah, and and really, you're trying to empower this person in this in this scenario, the paying parent, the father, empower them sure. with how do how do you navigate? What do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah, I, I think empowerment is a heck of a lot more effective than just patronizing people you know i mean it really is and and i won't say that the child support program routinely patronizes but i think that sometimes that can definitely be the perspective and the feelings that are left yeah and that's what i'm speaking to i'm speaking to the 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 way that these these guys feel right i'm not i'm not saying that this is what child support does you know it, it there's we we had this this weird thing uh, in the office a few months back and, and something that I, that I really thought was important that I, that, that was obviously being missed is sometimes, sometimes the way the people feel is actually the only thing that matters. It's not, it's not the, the nuts and the bolts and the specifics or how everything went down. Sure. Things could be appropriate according to the rules and the guidelines, but is that how they feel that they went down? Because if we're going to talk about perception and culture change and things like that, are you, do you think you could sit there and tell me that dads don't feel like they're patronized? They're being patronized too. I mean, I don't, I just don't, I don't think any honest person could say that, you know, uh, I, I don't think that it's, 
I don't, I don't think we do anything that's not by the law. I don't think that we do anything that is unethical. Um, but I, I, I know that, you know, people feel a certain way. And, and I think perception really does come from feeling. And if we're going to be perceived or continue to be perceived the way we are, um, we don't have to make any changes. We don't. We can just keep doing what we do. But if we want to if we want to change perceptions and if we want people to actually look at child, the way I look at child support is as a tool, a shield, because it really is, then we definitely need to change, you know, the way people feel. And we, we can only do that through how we act and how we treat people. Yeah, definitely. You know, you, you're talking about people's perception being the reality. Yes. And, if the reality is that we want people to engage, you want fathers to engage, to pay their support, to take care of their children, then there are some things that we probably need to look at and change in how we address or deal with things, change that perspective, you know, perspective. And that's, and sometimes that's the hardest thing to do, right? Because then we have to, we have to look internally and then we have to be brutally honest with ourselves. And that's, I mean, let's face it. That's not something that people really love to do, right? I mean, plenty of people are much more happier when they just believe the legends about themselves than the truth about themselves, you know, but if we really want to, you know, change perception, then yeah, we got to look at ourselves and we got to be willing to say, yeah, man, we, uh, yeah, we, we did do some, some pretty messed up things. I mean, like, like my director, she was telling me one time that um, when child support was attached to the district attorney's office, that they would, they would put up these posters uh, in the post office of, of dads who are in arrears, pictures and everything, right? And they called it the deadbeat wall. It's like, huh, you think that that doesn't leave an impression on people for generations? Because right. those men become grandpas, <laughs> you know? So yeah. that's, that's what I'm, and that's what I'm speaking to. I'm not trying to disparage anybody personally. No, I'm just speaking to what I perceive as reality. These are my personal opinions. Let me be clear. Yeah, and and Brandon, I appreciate that. I mean, I I've seen those um, those wanted posters before, and you know how how does that father feel, and how does that father um, want to continue to be engaged in that child's life right. if they see themselves up on that poster, or they're they're really being referred to as the old term, you know, a deadbeat dad, or God um, forbid, if their kid saw them on that poster. Yeah, you know, I mean. We're, listen, we're, we're leaving out the story. We're just putting the, the picture there. You know, it could be yeah. one of those guys who just, he lost his job, got laid off and couldn't find work for a year. That happened to me, you know? Yeah. Be sure to join us for part two of our series to hear more of Tim's conversation with Brandon Gutierrez. And of course, we appreciate Brandon being on the show with us today and on part two. And thanks again to Tim Leitner for all the work he did with the interview and the editing of the episode. On Location is available on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you get your podcasts. We have a lot of great episodes on the way, so be sure to subscribe 
and listen to all of our previous episodes as well. We also appreciate your ratings, your feedback, your comments, and your suggestions. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to us on the contact link on our website. On Location is a production of the NCA Communications Committee with special production assistance from Tim Leitner and me. Thanks for joining me. I'm Joe Mamlin, and this has been On Location.